0: you know we are, we're going to talk a lot about sexual discussion. so audience out there be yeah. ready um i mean jack deals with cruising in all queer males or just queer spaces but i think we'll talk a lot about queer male cruising spots um but yeah we even have a lot of uh, nude beaches unofficially mm. but um in new york like in brooklyn um even in other areas of Long Island, mm. um, but it doesn't have that same Fire Island resort lifestyle.
1: Fire, Fire Island. Fire Island.
0: Well, I just came back from an amazing time on Fire Island at Cherry Grove, but I can't believe I'm actually talking to who I think is the prominent expert on Fire Island's history. He will see how he views his own Fire Island uh, anthropology, but uh, Jack Parlett is joining me, who I've known first through academic circles because of his queer Whitman visual grinder even work that he's done and his book the poetics of cruising and then we're here to talk about that a little because we have to talk about cruising which i think is going to form a lot of our fire island conversation but he just came out actually both books came out in 2022 but he just came out with fire island a century in the life of an american paradise um which is such a well-written account of Fire Island's literary history, cultural history. I've even been listening to the audiobook with Joe Jameson who has a British accent which I think is fitting and well, oh, I should also mention he's has had essays published by Poetry London, Lit Hub. Uh, he holds a junior research fellowship at University University College, Oxford, not too shabby. Um, and he lives in Oxford, which, is that where you are coming from right now, Jack, is Oxford? Um, Yes, yeah, it is, actually, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jack. Thanks for <laughs> bearing with my enthusiastic, sun-soaked, you. you know, Long Island uh, summer right now. Um, Yeah, so- unfortunately, yeah. it's
2: not, it's, sun-soaked is not the phrase I'd use to describe how it is here, but, you know, it's fine, British summer, we're used to it.
0: Yeah, well, so you know, Jack and I have been talking a little and, you know, I told him that I was staying at the Belvedere. And usually, actually, I always go to the Pines for day trips because I only live 25 minutes from the ferry, which is nice. And it's a whole different perspective than I'm sure, Jack, you know, you not being from Long Island or even the States I'll say the States, but America, (laughs) um, see when I interview someone from the UK, I'm like, oh, the States. Um, so right away, like, do you remember mentions of Fire Island, how it even entered your, um, atmosphere? It had, and I think it was a kind
2: of combination of things that sort of led me to really like find out what Fire Island was, um partly like partly it was social media i think you know something i mentioned in the book and you know lots of um you know lots of people know about fire island through instagram or um th- from online that it sort of has has its own kind of like almost visual place in that landscape as like a piece a place where people are posting vacation snaps and things so i i kind of knew about it like anecdotally um and i knew about it through the literary history so i to have done a lot of work in kind of my academic um, academic career on Frank O'Hara and knew that he died you know, after an accident on Fire Island in the 60s. So I, I think I'd, I'd known about it, sort of been there as a name in the back of my mind for quite a long time since I was an undergrad Um, but I don't think I really understood the weight of what it was or particularly that it was you know the kind of space that it is Um, but yeah there were there were there were sort of certain ways that it filtered into my consciousness um, over time for sure but it's not it's certainly not as well known as well known in the UK and I found that in doing events around the book in the UK that it's just far less kind of on people's radar.
0: Yeah I was gonna ask especially because you know, you're holding, like your scholarly work is happening from Oxford. Um, That communication that you just mentioned with the UK audience, say, compared to especially a Northeastern New York City metro audience, Mm -hmm. like, do you find that conversations tend to be quite different of questions that someone from the New York City area would ask you compared to the UK?
2: Yeah, I mean, I
0: think the often like what maybe distinguishes those
2: questions from one another is that people from the New York area are kind of asking with their own their own kind of lived experience of Fire Island in mind. Right. Like they're bringing they're bringing their own take on it as a place or their own experiences, whereas often for a lot of people, I think that I've spoken to or sort of been in touch with about the book in the UK. it's more of an abstract thing like it's it's a place that they haven't been a place that they may never go that was part of the rationale of the book i suppose in some way was like thinking about this place as being a place that exists for many in the imagination and sort of what that what that means i will say though that like a lot of what i've had in the uk when people don't really know what fire island is when I first start saying like, Oh, I've been working on this project about, about fire Island with am like meeting someone for the first time or something. And they'll be like, Oh, that festival where everything went wrong and all the Instagrammers like had to eat the cheese sandwiches. They think I'm talking about like fire fire festival or, or I'm talking about love Island. Like, yeah, there's, it's sort of name is like proximate to a couple of other, like, um, you know, zeitgeisty things. And so, yeah, that's, that's one distinction. That doesn't happen in New York.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I had, Friend of the show, Jeremy Atherton, went on about Gay Bar, who I know he writes a really nice blurb on your Fire Island book. Um, you both are doing a type of memoir scholarship, that auto theory uh, buzzword. But, um, you know, and I'm sure we'll get there with, I want to know about your own journey to Fire Island for the first time, which you detail all at the beginning of Fire Island, your book. Um, but I do remember him saying there's kind of, an equivalent in England but it's not that same atmosphere as Fire Island he said there is like a nude male beach that Mm. is on the southern you know at the shore um is it near Brighton yeah so there's there's a, a queer
2: kind of nudist part of the beach in Hastings um and and yeah which is near Brighton and there are definitely kind of pockets of that kind of space on the south coast um but i agree that it's a different atmosphere it's sort of like it's less formalized in a way like it's less um it's less like here's a here's a here's its own unique recreational ecology that's been built up over time it feels sort of slightly more like a place that people go you know from might travel to on the weekend or something but um yeah yeah there are there are parallels but i think they are quite different
0: Mm -hmm. but it's not a summer resort like of residence
2: yeah, it's not a resort exactly.
0: Exactly, it's okay. more like
2: a kind of, uh, yeah, a beach. A yeah, so of...
0: maybe similar to, you know, and here with you, you can curse. You, I don't know if you do curse though. You're from the UK. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure. It depends, I guess, on the person from the UK, just like from the Northeast in the States. But um, you know, we are we're gonna talk a lot about sexual discussion. So, audience out there, be yeah. ready. Um. I mean, Jack deals with cruising in all queer males, or just queer spaces, but I think we'll talk a lot about queer male cruising spots. Um, But yeah, we even have a lot of uh, nude beaches, Mm. unofficially, but um, in New York, like in Brooklyn, um, even in other areas of Long Island, Mm. um, but it doesn't have that same fire island resort lifestyle. So I, I see the kind of equivalent. Like I see what we're tapping into, which is the nostalgia. That's something when I was reading and listening, I'm not sure if you heard Joe read your book, but it is very well, very well done. And is how you've already talked about Fire Island. It's almost like this history you learn before you go Mm. there, unless I guess you're born there, which is very rare. Mm. Um, Mm. And like Andrew Holleran comes to my mind right away with dancer from the dance. Like that was Mm. my first literary introduction. Since Mm. I grew up in Jersey, I had my own Jersey shore beaches. So I didn't venture to Mm. Fire Island until I moved here. And Mm. um, I love how you bring up such an archive of, you know, even Walt Whitman, like someone who we're both uh fond of, that he enters the scene. So like maybe just why like why did you know you had to start your Fire Island history from the 19th century? Like, why not just, you know, start right away in 2022?
2: Yeah, right. Well, I think I always thought of the book. Um sometimes I don't know what to do with the word history because it is in in lots of ways a history a queer history of fire island as a space but i think that for me like my way into fire island was through through the literature and through like literary representations of it and so i always kind of conceived of the book as being less about um Fire Island today and like I think that would be its own like very fascinating study right about like the way that the communities are constructed and, and and its culture and how things have changed and how things are continuing to develop um but I think for me yeah I became interested in lineage like in the lineage of the different writers who'd sort of visited or spent quite a bit of time there had written about it and so I always knew that I was gonna you know from the off, kind of extend a backward glance and to look um, to sort of try and trace trace that lineage, and it made sense to begin in, in the late nineteenth century in part because that's when some of the earliest resorts were being developed on Fire Island, and although they looked obviously in all kinds of ways very different from the way they do now, and even the way they did going into the early twentieth century, um, they do feel like a point of origin that they they are manifestations of. You know the summer vacation even developing as its own phenomenon, right? They are they are a part of that history in the Long Island, New York area, um, and of course they like it was also in the late nineteenth century that we have these extremely faint traces of like Whitman and Wild, sort of encircling Fire Island, if not necessarily having been there. And to be totally frank, um. like discovering those traces and hearing about them in my research it was kind of irresistible I thought how you know how can I not entertain even if it's something of a thought experiment entertain the idea that they might have that they might have been there and that you know many years before it became the kind of sort of queer resort that we know it as um, you know what would it mean for them to have been there right Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's that sort of informed the decision to begin to begin there and to see that as a starting point
0: Yeah. And what I think is fascinating, right? I mean, I know that this is, will be anachronistic to say, but with Wilde and Whitman, they're very too privileged in a way. I mean, Wilde, definitely with wealth um, compared to Whitman, but they still are privileged white, um, queer men. um, And in a way, I don't know if you identify, how you identify, but I'm assuming, you know, we are two white men who are queer. Mm-hmm. And and I think That's this right. is the heart of where we are with Fire Island right now. Like why mm-hmm. even bringing up Whitman and Wild from the beginning, I was so fascinated because you really delve into that psyche of the privilege on Fire Island with the queer resort and mm-hmm. that tension that really starts to build between the pines and Cherry Grove. Um, mm-hmm. So like, can you, open up a little about that like with was that even something that surprised you when you visited Fire Island for the first time
2: what the the sort of the privilege of it of Mm -hmm. it as a place yeah I suppose it did um like I think I I didn't know exactly what I was looking for the first time I went and um I I remember going that first night and feeling kind of not quite like I really belonged which I don't think is um it's all that surprising right like when you you show up somewhere unexpected or uh, somewhere where you don't live but i also yeah it it seemed to me like a it did seem like a rarefied space in a lot of ways and i think that that's there throughout its history um that it's it's a place where access often not always like has depended on having a certain amount of money and having a certain amount of like sort of cachet and connection to like particular social groups and you know having knowing the right people to organize a share house and stuff like that so um I do think yeah privilege is like an inescapable part of that story um and has been from the beginning I think like one of the one of the thornier aspects of writing about a place like Fire Island is that it's um vacation resorts of many kinds are are structured around a kind of exclusivity, right, in some way, Mm -hmm. that this is a place that you can go to have a certain kind of experience, to have a certain kind of escape from your everyday life. And those places aren't limitless. They are, there are parameters and they are sort of intended to be like, uh, to accommodate only so many people. But I guess one of the questions about Fire Island is, you know, it having meant what it has done to the queer community over time, you know, like it can't it's not exonerated from those questions around what it means to create this enclave um and so i think yeah it's it's exclusivity doesn't have to mean exclusionary and often in practice those things do um and so that that was that was sort of another one of the hooks i think that got me interested in it as a space like it seemed contradictory in some way that on the one hand you know you might walk into that space and see it as a utopia and another person walking in might see it as quite the opposite um so what 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 is it doing and kind of uh what are the how 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 is that particular sort of formation developed over time
0: yeah yeah well and um i was you know, I've been to Fire Island now a few times in the summer. Mm-hmm. And something that always fascinates me is like you've talked about that utopic idea. And I think that also comes really through, or this is where I quote Jack actually, uh, um, in my own work um, is in your Poetics of Cruising about looking at visual eroticism, especially homoeroticism, that you can go from Whitman's Poetics up until Grindr as an app and it's something that though i think about with fire island like i never really open grinder on fire island but when i come right back to like outside of that space it's like okay mm-hmm. what's on the app like and i do find you know i'm sure people do open grinder on fire island but i think just the presence of queer men is totally um it is comforting like there's definitely a comfort but there's definitely a lot of nuances the more Mm -hmm. time you spend, you're right. Like there's the tea parties that I still am trying to understand. There's, are you invited to a pool party at someone's private Mm -hmm. house? Which is a very Mm -hmm. um, special invitation. Um, You know, who are the like locals on the beach who have dogs? I I tell you, every time I'm on the beach, there are so many um, men, couples with dogs and like the dogs all know each other. And that's like that insider status that um, you don't just get from one day on Fire Island. Um, I think once you start to actually become immersed in the community, there's the musicals, the art exhibits, like going from Cherry Grove to the Pines on the Water Taxi um, and all of those in in industry. So I'm just, you know, kind of wondering... Do you think that this utopic idea? Yes, it has um, blind spots, but do you think that that's what keeps a lot of these men continuing to go to Fire Island? Is almost what you talk about with cruising? Is like, is this its own form of cruising? Mm,
2: yeah, I mean, I think cruising has a really special place on Fire Island. Um, like you were just saying, it's not. It's not like. It's it it provides like opportunities just to be in a space with other queer people and often a space that is safer or feels in a way more kind of insulated from, from the outside world or from the world of the everyday so I think yeah like I know a lot of people do use Grindr on Fire Island but I absolutely see what you mean that there's almost less of like a need to right like it doesn't necessarily we don't might not need to defer to apps to like encounter people in the same way um and i think yeah that like there's something about cruising as a as a as a mode of moving through the world where you're sort of alive to opportunity and often in my experience of time on fire island you know there's there can you can have quite a rigid structure to your day in the sort of routine you're doing but there's also something that's like particularly like atmospheric and electric about going and not really knowing what you're looking for and sort of letting the day take you and seeing who you meet and who do you meet at tea and who do you like pass on the beach. And like, I think there's something about being alive to opportunity and kind of new experiences that uh, like there is that, that, that itself is its own kind of cruising aesthetic. And I think Fire Island really enables that in lots of ways. The meat rack is obviously a perfect example of that, right? Like going to the meat rack, and not knowing who you'll find there. Um, And it being as much about the act of looking as it is about, you know, imagining a certain kind of sex with a certain kind of person.
0: Yeah, and it's looking, not always physically consummating a sexual act. And that is something that you have done a brilliant job. I, I am going to always be the arbitrator of the scholar's brilliance, but no, it is so groundbreaking that you really can go through so many centuries through your um, queer angle and lens that you're applying through cruising. And that's what I love about your scholarship, Jack. And I think it's something of even bringing your own voice of what surprised you when you even saw, you know, nude men on the beach or that like people are looking at each. That's I love that idea you bring about on the walking on the sands that we are glancing at each other. I'm not saying everyone is like trying to have a full on conversation, but Mm -hmm. there's Mm. also kind of like the polite look and then the look that's judging and you don't want to judge someone who's embracing themselves. And um, I find that that is a real unique aspect of Fire Island that you don't see at just say a family beach. Like no one is really trying to linger their eyes on someone. Right,
2: yeah. Yeah, totally. And like also... These, these looks are coded in all kinds of interesting ways and even a look that is a bit judgmental like uh could also be full of desire right like and and it definitely like looking someone up and down is its own kind of flirting I think or <laughs> in my experience of the gay world I don't know if people are just looking at me in the wrong way but like you know I think like these signals are really loaded with kind of erotic potential um and that's definitely been my experience of fire Island. And, uh, you know, I write about this bit in the book that there's, that's also one thing that seemed to me at least to distinguish between the atmosphere of cherry grove and the pines was that like in the grove, you might walk around and people say, you know, total strangers are saying hello to each other. And it feels in a way much more like a kind of small town atmosphere.
0: Um, whereas, what are you going to say
2: about the pines? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, like in the pines, in the pines, it's different. No, right? No, in the I know pines- it is, it is it's there's like there's something like haughtier and loftier and and kind of like more distant but I I don't know I sort of have come to think of that in its own way as as its own kind of like erotic signal as its own kind of code right um and that there is something you know there's something inherently kind of um Mm -hmm. distancing about that and 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 that I think presents its own problems about making a place feel exclusive Mm -hmm. but I also think it's like a it's a kind of it's it's something that many people experience all the time when you kind of have these almost half-cruising encounters with people in the street, that, like, the moment of encountering a stranger and looking at them directly, you're you're sizing one another up in some way, um, and you're also working out what's, what's going on in that look. Like, what's the affect of this? Like, what's the atmosphere here? Um, like, is this merely a cross look or a negative look, or is there something there? And it's like an invitation... To reflect or explore, I think, um, yeah,
0: well, and to, you know, I'm I'm being uh, you know, sassy for podcast purposes, but I completely understand what you mean. I think it also has to do with what you bring up. And um, we'll get to the Fire Island Hulu film, but they really counter this or mm. invert it. But it's even like when you go to the ferry and I go to Cherry, like I see the Cherry Grove side and I go, usually, like I said, I go to the pines. But when I go to Cherry Grove, um, there is much more of a mix of like gender fluid, all different genders represented in the queer spectrum. Um, There's even families. I feel like it's kind of, you are who you are, Mm
1: -hmm. where
0: in the pines, I do feel, okay, this is white collar corporate queer men of privilege or they're bringing their, you know, invited guests, or here's the porn industry, queer men. And I, you know, shout out to, uh, Mark McNamara, who I listen to his discretion advise podcast. Cause he talks about that experience at the pines and they mm-hmm. have their, like, I think it's called play this, um, like almost. I don't know. Some type of gay porn, uh, performance art. I don't know how exactly to explain it. Um, I haven't seen it. But yeah, I wonder if too, do you think the distancing is because of that white collar atmosphere or like those who are in the inside the business Manhattanites? Like, because it is the most Manhattanite, I feel, on Fire Island. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think it could. I think it could have something to do with that. Like, certainly it's there in its history that the Pines was developed in some ways um, an alternative tree grove. Um, and not just for queer people either, but it sort of soon, you know, or eventually became, became a it, Cherry Grove's queer neighbor. But that it was in a way sort of the how the houses are bigger, the 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 wealth is flashier. Um that it's that it was like and has 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 often been kind of rooted in the kind of status. Um and and status brings its own kind of hierarchy i think often of of what ethan morden writes about about like you know fire island presents always this kind of feudal system where like the day trippers are at the bottom and the renters are next and the um and then you have the homeowners but at the top are the house boys right like i mean it's it's a it's a joke but he's obviously working in 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 that in that space there there are different kinds of currency and one of them is youth and one of them is looks and one of one of them is money and that they're, they're all intersecting. And so yeah, I think like part of that does have to do with with status and with uh yeah, a sort of relationship to the city, right? And 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 uh the sense of an elite coming from the
0: city. Yeah, to or even side. Los Angeles or right. even Europe. Right. Um yeah. but I will say I spent a little time in Southampton. Shout out to the Hamptons, I do love Southampton, but Um, like that's where Andy Cohen is in the Hamptons. There's Mm. also a queer scene in the Hamptons, but that's a very different, in my opinion, the Hamptons flashiness is different than Fire Island's flashiness. Mm. Like, Mm. I think because Fire Island is literally in the Pine, like Pine Barren slash, like it's nature and there's no cars. Like Mm. it still kind of keeps this, it's like the queer rustic look where the Hamptons are like the who's who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and that's and you know, that's a really important point that
2: like even in the pines, which maybe feels on the surface like much more urbane. Um it there there is absolutely still a sense that like Fire Island is a sort of precarious landscape, like an out a sort of outpost. And there are challenges to to it's not just like erecting this sort of shiny, mm-hmm. like um shiny Hamptons town right there, there are there are there are sort of other challenges to keeping a house there, and um yeah, like that that even even amid that sort of glamour that there's absolutely something rustic, um,
0: yeah, every time I'm there i I still don't know how people live there for the full year i I'm like this is a great you know vacation spot, but all of the challenges, like you said, mm. like you need your packages to arrive on the ferry. The, yeah. Like you know, there's only a set amount of businesses, which is great for vacationers. But I give them credit. I don't know. That's that's a type of living that I um, I would be itching to like be
2: on the mainland, right? And uh, yeah, I met some people over the summer who are who are year-round residents, and they it seemed like quite a few of the people that I met at least were one of the ways of making that workable was that their work was based on was based. On fire in or around Fire Island, anyway. Like they were architects, or so they were involved in projects that are on the island, and so their their lives were there, and their li- livelihoods were there. But yeah, it sounds it sounds tough. And I and I do think like there's also that sense of the season as its own kind of hallowed space, right? Like this, you know, May to September, um, kind of window where Fire Island is more livable, and um, and that there's that that is a crucial part of of its atmosphere in some way right this feeling of like a season a summer and all of the potential that that holds like this is about an escape from from the from from the everyday and I think Fire Island if it was completely your everyday would be a very different kind of place and perhaps a bit you know Provincetown I still never been to Provincetown that seems like a place where there where there's something more kind of like embedded about it as a community that people are there year-round and it sort of it 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 thrives in the summer, but it's not only about about the summer.
0: Yeah, it's also a very um Broadway artsy, mm-hmm. kind of in my opinion, has the same um I don't know if you know what New Hope is in Pennsylvania in Bucks County, but New oh, Hope yeah, is also kind of like a town. Mm, mm. Yeah. But um Again, though, uh, there's differences. So I think we should get to the differences, which you've mentioned the meat rack. You teased it a little, which I see what you're doing with your cruising Uh, (laughs) ideology here. We're just, we're teasing and going around, but I want to get deep into the meat rack for those who are listening. Because there are, you know, some people who don't know who are listening. They are like, what is this meat rack? Okay, hold on to that question because we'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor we Um but I have to bring up Olivia Lang. Her what is right on the cover of Fire Island that she writes a fascinating throbbing history and you know to put the phallic imagery that front and center. <laughs> you know. Uh very good marketing. I like this uh double entendre. But yeah, I was very know... happy
2: to have the word throbbing right there. Yes.
0: Uh... Well, and so, you know, what is Jack Parlot's experience with the meat rack? This is your time, Jack. This is
2: my time. Um, how detailed do I want to be? Uh I didn't go to the meat rack the first time that I went to Fire Island, and partly I think uh I think partly it's because I was feeling quite overwhelmed and partly it's because it was me and my friend together and we would it was a kind of exploratory moment and we were we've sort of wanted to see cherry grove and see the pines but you know it was it was pretty much pitch black which actually you know it's probably quite a good time to go to the meat rack um
0: but yeah i oh what is the meat rack for those listening just yeah like, how well, would you describe it well the meat rack is yeah it's like
2: it's quite a small wooded area um in between the two communities like if you leave Cherry Grove to the east and you're and you're walking east to get to the pines. Um and it's yeah, it's 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 a kind of sandy wooded area
0: that's almost like a hiking trail in a way. Yeah. Right? Like a kind of more clear, a clear trail. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's and it's very thick with with vegetation and mosquitoes. uh, And mosquitoes and ticks, and like there are all kinds of anxieties that can come with moving through that space. But it has really since like since Cherry Grove first sort of developed its reputation as a sort of, as a as a queer hotspot, it, you know, it, from the 1940s onwards, there's been a meat rack of some kind of description. Um, and so it's been, yeah, kind of legendary cruising ground. I mean, one of the unofficial names for it is the Judy Garland Memorial Path, yeah. right? Like it's, which is, I love, um, like it's, you know, it's quite hard Wait, cause to- cause the sex takes
0: that. you over the rainbow?
2: Well, well, there is that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I like, I mean, I I almost read it more as a kind of like a, that that it's innuendo in some way, right? Like it's sort of it's it's like wearing the guise of a respectful tribute to like our duty, but like we all know what the the inference is, right? Like what yeah. what Well, I, I guess it
0: it is an emerald city of sorts. Right, right. Um, and yeah,
2: I you know, I I've I've been to the to the meat rack a few times. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, oh, okay. But it's um.
0: You're not gonna talk about any meat you encountered there, is that right? Uh yeah. I think this is
2: this is a vegan show. You know, like let's not let's not go there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: I'm a pescatarian, right. but yeah. I mean uh, that doesn't right. help us with this discussion, does it? Um. Right. But is yeah. that really where the name just comes from? Is from penises like meat? Men's meat? Is that really just? Well,
2: vegan? I so my understanding like it was quite hard to trace. Um, exactly when Fire Island's meat rack became known as such. But my understanding, like, looking... I was looking at an old American slang dictionary, um, was that meat rack was kind of a, a term used more broadly in gay slang in kind of, like, the post-war period from, like, the 50s onwards to describe... Yeah, to describe, like, a an area of sexual possibility. So I don't know if the meat we're dealing with is necessarily penises or if it's just the me- if it's just the body more generally the body
0: like, is like, part as kind of meat okay. fleshy
2: or meaty yeah um and certainly like it really works for a space like the meat rack which itself feels kind of well, um, you're hungry
0: right right for something
2: right <laughs> right but but also like that it's also a space where it feels like more likely or more natural that you're going to be walking without any or many clothes on as well right like it's um like the meat rack of a of, of a more built up space might feel, might feel different, but there's something about already being, you know, in a state of undress or like, at, you know, at one with nature that like, yeah. I think it forms that part of its mythology as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I give, you know what, Jack, We're, we don't have to go into who you encountered, what happened. That's fine. Um, I like the tease here, but um, I've only been in the meat rack once and it was to actually like just walk through. So yeah, I didn't really yeah. actually, I was with my friends and we didn't really even see anyone, but it was in like, the middle of the day um yeah. and i have to say to be doing things on the ground with my body no 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 i'm good sorry <laughs> when when there's like bugs <laughs> like the beach is a beautiful area and let's actually this is something you've talked a lot about with your um even in the poetics of cruising is and i'm going to try to formulate it in a nice way but if i miss you know, represent what you're getting at, please correct me. Um, But it's almost as if when we're seeing even Whitman's 1855 photo and he has like this bulge that he really is emphasizing of his body Mm -hmm. or even with Grindr, how people love sharing photos. But when it comes to the moment of meeting, the hesitation, it doesn't, doesn't fulfill that fantasy. It doesn't fulfill that cruising desire it reminds me of maybe why i love the beach atmosphere of fire island so much is just being with the water being out there Mm -hmm. tanning or reading seeing Mm. other bodies but like there isn't the okay we need to be doing something here right away sexually Mm -hmm. um is because it still keeps that fantasy in play Mm. and you know do you think that that fantasy is something that keeps everyone going back to fire island
2: yeah that's interesting i mean like i guess i would extend that argument to think about cruising in some way always being about fantasy i suppose and that 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 like um you were talking before about encounters that aren't necessarily physically consummated and i think um that so often what happens in an, in a cruising encounter, which could, which could also just operate as like a a passing look, right. Mm -hmm. Is the projection of a fantasy of imagining intimacy with a stranger. And I do think, yeah, that sense, like it's going back to what I was saying earlier about the sense of possibility that like cruising, it might also be something that happens in a state of distraction. And, you know, there are lots of ways in which you can sort of be lying on the beach reading a book or pretending to read a book whilst also like, you know, eyeing up a stranger. And, and I do think that's its own kind of eroticism. It's like, a and, and it, but it's also about distance again. It's about a, like a distractedness of sort of um, uh, uh, a d- doing something like above board or sort of quite quotidian or just relaxing and enjoying that experience for what it is whilst remaining alive to like the kind of erotic potential of that space. Like I think of Auden, W.H. Auden's poem Pleasure Island, you know, mm-hmm. where, he sort of figures this unsuspecting writer who comes to Fire Island hoping to spend all his time writing and reading but instead drops his book and kind of you know ends up doing what everybody else does which is kind of ogling strangers on the beach and uh, that that there's a, yeah something almost about like what perhaps brings people back is that sense of erotic potential but there's also there's also a kind of sense of being lured away, like lured away from your, from what you're doing or from your group of friends by that, by that energy. Um, So yeah, I don't, that's a, that's a huge part of its appeal and its history.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, so the Fire Island movie came out. It's Hmm. actually done really well, like across audiences. And this is where I do want to mention our straight friends out there. Um, because I think there's some stereotypes definitely I've even encountered. Like when I say, oh, and some men are nude and they're like, oh my God, everyone's having an orgy on the beach. And I'm like, I've never no. seen an orgy on the beach, but maybe I'm just not in the right. <laughs> I'm not there in the right hour. Um, but do you think that even readers of your book, not that you need again to appeal to a straight audience, but do you think they're stereotypes or, you know, they're not, um, they have this whole orgastical bacchanalian idea of fire island that's Mm. you know not the it's not really what's happening in its nuance it's just that image of okay all these men are nude together and okay that must be what happens
1: Mm.
2: yeah that's a good point actually I think um that side of it is absolutely present it's a really i think it's a really important part part of it and and, and is still there and maybe it isn't happening so much on the beach but i think it is happening at house parties and you know um like in other spaces but i think yeah that absolutely i don't i what i don't want to do here is like set up a dichotomy between like the wholesome and the bacchanalian mm-hmm. um you know as if as if like i there's a va- there's a value judgment about either of those things yeah. but i do think a lot of a lot of fire island is like a is a sort of the interplay between the two of those things that like one minute you might be at an orgy in the meat rack and the next you're like like making a nice meal with your friends um people come to fire island for really different things and there absolutely are stereotypes about it as this like wildly hedonistic space um and i do think that you know the there there is a party culture that is really about that but there are loads of people who who come to Fire Island queer people like you know in particular queer people who don't feel represented by those spaces or necessarily the most welcome in those kind of like party spaces that come for very different things they come to to create art or to be with their friends or to be with their partners or their lovers and so I think yeah yeah, like I think perhaps the people who jumped to conclusions about it feeling like an orgiastic space might be surprised by some of the more sort of like even, yeah, even just kind of ordinary vacation, like scenes that you see on fire Island, right. That it's not just like, you know, relentlessly hedonistic.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to shout out the fire Island artist residency, which I think Mm. have you worked with them, Jack?
2: Uh, not not worked with directly, but I've I've been in touch with, um, with the founders of, of both of the programs and um, the directors and yeah had a dialogue with them and I, I was certainly really curious in my research to learn more about them and how they've developed in the communities um and and the effects they've had I think in 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 reviving a kind of artistic creative culture in Cherry Grove and the Pines and um and also working to make those spaces as creative spaces more representative of new york's lgbtq plus community more reflective of the diversity of that community as well
0: yeah but i love your exact like to talk more about the liminal right that mm. like i called it bacchanalian. you can see i'm very indebted to ancient greek <laughs> it's because i'm my 19th century work with queerness but um that yeah, that type the sexual freedom, I'll say that, right with bodies. Even mm. like, you know, I've been nude on Fire Island's beach and there's something about being nude in the water that really is freeing. It's liberating. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I think that's an important moment and that doesn't have to yeah. do with me connecting to another like me being part of just the sexuality comes in so many forms. And I think yeah. even so many people I've seen have had your book. Uh, they're talking about it they're dissecting it on fire island they're talking about right fire island is really making is having so many conversations right now and Mm -hmm. you know not that you have to give us your deep analysis of the movie but were you surprised with the movie coming into the mainstream now like that fire island um has its own movie, that it's speaking to a large audience, especially that it centers, you know, men of color, even Mm. Margaret Cho is in it, Um, that queer women are represented. Like, yeah, what do you think is happening right now? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing,
2: you know, as, as is always the case, like, there's always kind of discourse around like things before they come out and the trailer comes out and there's a kind of like, you know, there's knock-on effect of people talking about it and anticipating it. And I remember it, you know, it it, it I think it has felt to a lot of people like a kind of watershed moment in representation and, and a big uh like a comedy with a huge audience like on a on a major streaming service. And I think I think I think it's great. And I, you know, I I really liked the movie and and the way that it represents Fire Island. And I think um to my mind, it doesn't you know there are often conversations about like um when it comes to visibility and almost kind of does something does does something reaching mainstream audiences in some ways dilute its message but to me, that's absolutely a film about like living your queerest, messiest life with with your friends or with your chosen family um and so it struck me as really valuable that you know that's a story that will reach a lot of people um and that, yeah, and that, and that Fire Island, this singular place, which really is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a small place. Right. Yeah. I think like a part of why it makes sense for that to be the locus of that story. And one of the ways I've come to think about Fire Island is that it is, you know, this sort of seemingly improbable, like uh, landmass on the on the fringes of the Atlantic. But there's a larger story in there. There's a larger story about like how we think about community um and that that's I think that's why in some ways like it yeah it it makes sense for that film to be anchored there um and yeah it's great great to see it doing so well and um
0: yeah well yeah. and I love Bo and Yang and you know the whole cast Joel Kim booster it's such a even yeah. Nick Adams who I knew from the Broadway musical um Priscilla Queen of the Deserts makes an appearance um and so different Then, did you see that uh Actually, I found out that reality show was produced by Kelly Ripa. I had no idea that Kelly Ripa did the Fire Island. Right. Um, This was the one from 2017,
2: the the logo show.
0: Yes, yes. And it was like they were all um, house guests and um, it was, you know, scripted, unscripted, I'll call it, where the drama ensues and who's with who and the cheating and... (laughs) very different than the hulu movie Um,
2: yeah 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 um yeah totally and i think like that's not you know there was also the reality tv show with bravo in the late 90s that was set on fire island as well like there's a kind of interesting history of reality tv in fire island i mean like in so many ways the pines feels made for reality tv right like (laughs) throwing people together um, in a house share, in a sort of traditionally hedonistic space, and, and sort of seeing what happens. Like there's something about the atmosphere of a fire island summer that I think you know can f- also feel like a pressure cooker. um Well, you yeah, have no I, car to get you out of there. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's 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 like immersed. Big Brother. Right, right. It's his own kind of Big Brother. And like I do think, yeah, like the discourse machine we really went into overdrive with the, the with the logo show. Like I remember reading pieces you know and before the show had even come out like you know there was a piece i think in the advocate about uh like that it's this is this is like evidence of gay male moral decline like seeing men like seeing these seeing these figures be messy and hedonistic and it was like like that's exactly the kind of assimilatory sort of narrative that I think you know divides people within the community. Like this feeling that there's no space for hedonism. It's like a politics of respectability, and I feel like those shows, you know, like like the reality show is 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 sort of trashy, quote unquote trashy. But like there's space for that in an economy of like trashy shows that we love to watch and like get a lot from. Um, And queer
0: men are not represented. And still, you know, even I'm starting to watch F Boy Island, but there's you know, it's still kind of this female male binary. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, why didn't they bring like queer men or queer women, like spice mm-hmm. this up? Or even Love Island doesn't really do that either. So it's like, if this was our I, chance, like there just yeah, needs to yeah, be yeah, yeah. more representation. So of yeah. course, you're right though, that hedonistic,
1: you got mm-hmm. exactly
0: to that stereotyping that is, Yeah. even w- among gay men, I'll hear those who say, well, I'm not a Fire Island guy. And I'm like, what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: I can understand about like them feeling maybe they'll be judged because they don't fit that standard yeah. like gay model of beauty. Yeah. Um, I call them the equinox gays, but I don't mean that offensively right, to anyone right. who goes to equinox. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But um that, you know, it's almost that they're not into that hedoness, that desire can seep in those different ways. So, you mm-hmm. know, thank you for laying that out, Jack. I think it's so important to bring up
2: well and for me i think like that's what that's what makes fire island valuable like it is a space it is a space where like hedonism is important and it's not as as i said before that's not the only side to it but it is a it's an important part of its history and like i do think in the way that tides can turn and ideological shifts can happen that actually like the right to a kind of like healthy and public and uh like vibrant sexual culture is really important to the queer community like sort of not um like it's also it's a it's a way of uh it's a way of retaining something like like liberation to lots of gay activists in the 70s was sexual liberation and um i'm not saying that you know like that the spaces on Fire Island always feel like the most liberating spaces, but they are a manifestation of an important part of queer culture as we conceive of it historically, and so I think, yeah, something to be kind of preserved and and celebrated.
0: Yeah, well, here, here to that. I think that's our that is Jack's thesis of the episode here. Uh, so everyone, get your uh, pens out uh, and start jotting this down for your work on. There's going to be a lot of work on your book, Fire Island. I know in the university, it's already getting such a public discourse. And to end on, I thought I would play. I always say I'll play a game and it frightens the guests, but this is not a pressure cooker game. You talked about pressure cookers. You know, I'm not going to like have someone come and take you to now the queer big brother house, even though I think that's, you just pitched a good reality show. Um, But I'm curious, what do you think? Walt Whitman, if you could get into his psyche, and Oscar Wilde, what do you think they would think right now? They land at Sayville, they go on the ferry, and now they land, you know, in Cherry Grove or the Pines. What do you think is happening in their mind?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Like, you know, I feel like we could talk for another another hour about that. I mean, I think that um, something Esther Newton writes about in her book about Cherry Grove and her anthropological study of Cherry Grove was like this feeling that there were kind of divides in the gay world in Cherry Grove between sort of different like different factions. I will get I will get to my answer to your question in a minute, but I feel like there's some important context. And that Whitman on the one hand represents this kind of like democratic tradition of thinking about political liberation and Wild on the other sort of, in some ways kind of like sidesteps the political for this more kind of like aesthetic um, position. And I do think that like they, sp- they, you know, as Newton points out, they both as figures speak to different parts of Fire Island's culture and sometimes divisions in it. Um, in short, I think that both of them would love it, right? Like, I mean, I think not to efface all kinds of historical differences, but I feel like Whitman, Whitman, so, so much of Whitman's kind of utopian uh, tenor, like, is informed by actually quite simple, like, rustic images of men bathing naked together, which is exactly... And you bathe
0: naked he bathed naked all the time
2: yeah uh, right and like yeah moments is his work of the 29th bather of the erotics of like nudity of like of 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 like of men swimming and so i think that actually like exactly what we were talking about the other a minute ago about like the sort of that these these like aspects of fire island that are just about being feeling embodied and being on the beach together um i think is in a lot of ways look quite close to you know, in, in ways, some of the things that Whitman was imagining the democratic utopia to be, the sort but of I manly can't,
0: Yeah, sorry. Advocate. Yeah, I agree. I think Whitman is the, he's the bather. He's the beach goer in yeah. the pines or cherry grove. I really have a hard time seeing Oscar Wilde take his clothes off and be at the beach. Like, I feel right. like he'd be, I feel like he'd be creating the party list. Like he would be the host. He would be the one like looking from, the restaurants afar to see who's coming in on the ferry and like making his list of oh that person not that person this person not that person
2: right right and but i do think like yeah there are sort of these again these like more decadent if that's mm. the right word mm-hmm. aspects of the culture that that sort of feel very much in that in that area and in, in sort of oscar Wilde terrain I was there, there are some great illustrations from the late 19th century, like from a from a newspaper an illustrated newspaper from Wilde visiting a different Long Island beach. I think I I mentioned this in the book. Um
0: oh, is this his know? Long Beach journey? Yeah,
2: of the figure like standing on the beach with flowing hair mm. and like an immaculate bathing suit. And so I feel, yeah, if we can imagine Wilde cruising the beach, it's like, you know, also like look like having thought very hard about his about his outfit. Whereas I think Whitman, you know, if we're to indulge some of his kind of like, um, some of his his sense of himself as as one of the roughs, I think it's turning out much more like I, you know, I just showed up like this, like I, uh, yeah, it's a much it's a much more kind of casual aesthetic. Yeah, now I'm kind of thinking about the intricacies of what I'm going. To oh, write.
0: I love this. I feel like there could be a whole. You're right. We could like play around with this idea of Whitman and Wild on Friar Island. That should be a pl- like someone should write a play called like women and wild on fire island um, right or they should yeah. even perform Love the picture of dorian gray on fire island i think there's some there could be some possibilities um you know i think um in the um gay porn world they would have a blast doing <laughs> the 28 <Right>. bathers <laughs> there there could be right. there's a lot of material um, right.
2: Well, and, and similarly, even the scene of Whitman and Wild meeting, and like yes. as the newspaper having like a jolly good time. You know, there's like there's plenty, plenty to imagine there as well.
0: Yeah. Well, to leave us all now on that, you know, <laughs> ending back in the 19th century. But see, we still we got every reverberation of the other centuries. Um, you know, first Jack, thank you. This was exciting. I love that you were up for everything. I appreciate you create your boundaries, which, you know, this is not a therapy discussion. So I am don't need to be <laughs> privileged to everything because I'm not going to share everything I do either. Um, but, you know, everyone out there as an audience, Andrew doesn't talk about everything in his life. Um, that'll be for when I get an autobiography deal eventually. <laughs> but uh, so is there anything to tease for us? about work you're doing, or, you know, I mean, this all just came out, so I could tell if you're just needing a break, but is there anything planned? Yeah, I, I mean, I've been thinking for a while
2: about, um, yeah, about about other projects and sort of places I might come out. I've been interested for a while in um, in flamboyance as an idea, and it's something that I've been already doing some work on, like, thinking about flamboyance as a as a kind of concept as a behavior and kind of what that what that means is the etymology in french sort of coming flames and fire so yeah i it as you said like the 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 fire island book has just come out and i'm sort of riding that wave and also trying to take a take a bit of a break but yeah i'm in the early stages of of something coming up next but it's but it's early days at the moment
0: Hmm. wow now see my mind is already going to this is Jack, like, you just are so good at connecting the dots, etym- etymologically with linguistics, um, which with flamboyant, the flamboyant fire nature, and flames, fire island, or even mm. the pejorative of a flamer. Um, mm. hmm. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot there. Whoa. Yeah, well, that's kind of the terrain I'm
2: dealing with, right? Like, the way that flamboyance is is sort of can also be weaponized as a
0: word. and Yeah, in it's way. pejorative, but also, yeah. I see. Yeah, there's yeah. two sides. Well, I can't wait for that work. Definitely, I need to have you back on again, Jack. It'll be, you know, we'll just chat about thinking more about Whitman and Wild. Um, so, you know, maybe to celebrate when I defend my dissertation in the spring. Yeah, you know? in the spring, great. That's exciting. Yeah, well, and everyone out here can know. I can now announce it that Jack is mentioned in my Whitman and Queer Theory article coming out in the spring. So, yay, I got to put the poetics of cruising there. Um, So, oh, you're welcome. Uh, Jack is being very, very kind in his uh, eyes right now. Um, (laughs) I also feel like we kind of did, you know, our own type of academic cruising here. I don't know how we would describe this podcast Zoom interaction, but... Mm. There's yeah. something to the Zooming cruising. Um,
2: right. And that's also something that like the pandemic, I had a lot of friends who went on things like Zoom dates and stuff like that. Like what does, what does intimacy look like over a screen? I mean, yeah. we are sort of being, been equipped for that in different ways over the years. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I want everyone out there to get the Poetics of Cruising, Queer Visual Culture from Whitman to Grinder, And while you're at it, everything like we've been centering on has been fire island a century in the life of an american paradise by jack pilot also joe jameson does an excellent job with the audiobook if you want to listen and get the book i did both um so yeah thank you so much jack and everyone out there you know reach out to jack maybe you have your own fire island stories uh you know, yeah. DM them Absolutely. to Ivory Tower Boiler Room and I'll share them with Jack. Yeah, it'd be great to hear them. Well, and then maybe we'll bring you back on, Jack. If we get enough stories, we can yeah. literally be like a radio program.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll dissect them together and you can keep them anonymous, everyone. Um, Okay, well, thank you, Jack. And thank yeah, you. enjoy now the fall. We are heading into our fall season.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, And the weather will be... The same here, if not colder. Yeah. yeah. Well it will be colder. Great. Yeah.
0: UK weather. <laughs> okay.
1: Thanks, okay. Andrew. Bye, Cheers. Jack,
0: and bye, bye everyone out there. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Welcome to the fall season. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room is a public humanities podcast where we interview writers, scholars, performers, and artists. Episodes air on Mondays. I am Andrew Rimby, the executive director. I'm so happy to welcome my team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, Kimberly Dallas, our editor, and an amazing fall group of interns thank you to this team please follow the ivory tower boiler room on TikTok and instagram at ivory tower boiler room easy to remember our twitter is at ivory boiler room and we have a whole new design for our patreon it is called the ivory tower boiler room cafe because you're joining us and eavesdropping on our conversations that are unedited videos of all of our Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes as if you're eavesdropping in a cafe overhearing the conversation. Well, talking about overhearing a conversation, hi, Mary.
1: Hello, Andrew, and hello, everyone. I'm Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime and Academia, a podcast, well, a true crime podcast that is focused mainly on the crimes committed by and to those in the field of academia. Episodes air every Tuesday at noon. You can follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia and on Twitter at TC and Academia because Twitter hates extra characters, as we all know. And as Andrew alluded to earlier, we have a Patreon and True Crime and Academia has exclusive bonus episodes for subscribers. As a true crime enthusiast, I don't necessarily like to pigeonhole my true crime interests. So over on the Patreon, I cover some of the more high-profile cases not related to academia, such as the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey and the case of Casey Anthony. So if you want access to videos like that, go over to patreon.com slash room and become a subscriber.
0: Thank you all for joining us. And here's to an amazing fall season. Bye.
1: Whoop.
0: Bye everyone.